This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. It's Tuesday, and here he is with all of his uh, get-up on. He's got a vest and a couple of 45s on each hip, and he's got a 10-gallon hat, which comes down to his ankles. Good morning, Dr. History. You know, you never cease to amaze me, Zeb. You still come up with some originals. (laughs) Yeah. um, I want to, first of all, just thank all the listeners, and I keep telling people that I've got this book coming out, and I thought I'd have it ready by the first of the summer, uh, probably more like the end of the summer. May I say that you and I run in the same channel. Yeah. I'm having trouble finishing everything yeah. I'm doing. Well, it's, it's getting there, folks, so yeah. hang on. So today's Zeb, I'm going to talk about something called a wild cow hunt. Not, oh, down in Texas? Not a wild cow roundup, a wild, no. wild cow hunt. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So uh, I'm, I need to explain or define something. Uh, a mossy is a cow or steer with long scales hanging from their horns that look like moss. Yeah, and they didn't like people. Oh, you'll find out about that here in just a few minutes. They did not. So putting together a herd of 10 or uh, 12-year-old steers for the trail was difficult, often frustrating work, because mossy horns were hard to catch. They They were were troublesome to control. It took expert cow hands, especially Mexican vaqueros, to separate Longhorns from the brush country, that's where we get the term brush popping. You've heard that term. Oh, yeah. And that was the hardest kind of cow work. You want to go in and get yourself cut to ribbons, seriously, go into Texas brush. Yeah. Now, the only horses suitable for brush popping were the little Mustangs or the Spanish Texas cow ponies, which enjoyed the chase and were as fearless as the wild cattle. These ponies were cheap, and cowmen considered them expendable. They were often gored and nearly always crippled before their work in the brush was done. Brush popping was a much tougher test of man and horse than handling cattle on the open range. Did they mention the Catahoula dogs? No, not in Boy, not those, in this story. Yeah, they had a lot of those catahoulas down there, and they bite and wouldn't let go. Okay, yeah, I've heard of those. Now, there's a guy named Les Moore, who in the 1880s was a ranch foreman in Wyoming, and he recalled conditions in Texas immediately after the Civil War, when recently discharged Confederate soldiers came home to their ranches, most immediately branded, banded together in small groups to recover their lost herds. And he says, quote, we didn't call it a roundup in those days, he said. We called it cow hunts, and every man on this cow hunt was a cattle owner just home from the war and went out to see what they had left to brand up. Moore said he was a boy at this time, and he was looking for his father's cattle. And he said, we had no cattle. Every man, or no wagon, I'm sorry, every man carried his grub in a wallet on or behind his saddle and his bed under his saddle. Moore was put on day herding. The cattle gathered. We would corral the cattle every night at some of the owner's homes and stand guard around the corral. 
when a crew was getting ready for a cow hunt in the brush, they called it the brasada. Mm-hmm. That was a, a, I yeah. think that's a Spanish name for the brush, yeah. brasada. Anyway, each man made himself a supply of rawhide hobbles for his cow ponies, braided extra rawhide riatas, ropes, uh, and repaired uh, any of his equipment in need of it. Every man wore heavy bullhide leggings or shaps, yep. a thick brush jacket of leather or Mexican cloth that thorns could not penetrate, a tough hat, and heavy leather gauntlets to protect arms yeah, and absolutely. forearms and hands. The saddles had tapaderos, which, of course, are the leather stirrup co- uh, coverings to protect the rider's feet. Now, when everything was ready, they loaded cornmeal and bacon on a pack horse or two and turned out the decoy herd of tame cattle to use in controlling the wild ones. The only difference between tame and wild cattle was that the tame ones did not hightail it out of there the moment he saw somebody on horseback. Mm-hmm. So, And that was the guy, Les Moore? Uh, yeah, he, he's the one that a, described That's an oxymoron for a name, isn't it? Less more. <laughs> Less and more. And more, yeah. Okay. Anyway, because the range cattle had been neglected during the war years, there was an unusually large number of 10- or 12-year-old mossy horns among the brush cattle. Now, these were outlaws when it came to being herded by men on horses, and it was necessary to clean them out as quickly as possible because they made the younger, younger cattle more difficult to handle. Now, mossy horns were as well wild as musk. Mustangs, uh, the brush in which they hid was composed of, like you said, mesquite trees, prickly pears, and all these thorny shrubs, just rough. So the brush poppers set up camp near a strong corral made of uh, by digging a trench about three feet deep and setting up a palisade of 10-foot posts bound at about eye level with strips of rawhide. So we've got kind of a uh, a circular corral that is not just poles. It's yeah. sticking up. Now, the cow hunt began when the riders placed the decoy herd in the brush. The moment they entered the brush, a mile or two from the decoys, the ponies became especially alert and ready to run because they could detect the presence of wild cattle before the riders could. When they heard cattle crashing through the brush, the eager ponies ran after them, their riders hanging on and dodging tree limbs. I don't know how they and, did that. Yeah, and prickly pears as best they could. Mm. Some of the ponies threw themselves sideways through the thickets. A rider might be anywhere on his pony except in the saddle. Yeah, he was he was paid to hang on, not to maintain his dignity. But they would shred the hide of the horses. Yeah. Absolutely shred yeah. the hide. Yeah, but you know he wasn't looking graceful. And these brush ponies, they wouldn't stop for anything. Once yeah. they had a cow in sight, they were after him. Yeah. Well, trusting to their pony's sense of direction, the brush poppers tried to run the wild cattle toward the decoys, the tame herd. Yeah. If all went well, wild and tame cattle were mixed, and the hands quickly surrounded them. Now, slowly and carefully, they eased the herd out of the brush toward the corral near the camp. The farther they traveled from the brush, the more desperate the mossy horns were to break away. And they were vicious. Oh, yeah. And mishaps were frequent. Sometimes wild cattle dashed into the decoy herd so fast there was no stopping them, and the whole bunch left that part of the country. Goodbye. Everything. And often, too, on the way to the corral, they might lose half of the morning's catch uh, if a steer broke out and a man went after it. Other cattle would race through the gap, uh, which created in the line of the riders. Once wild cattle had escaped from a herd, they were harder than ever to pin and control. 
On bad days, brush poppers found that by the time they had the herd in the corral, they had fewer cattle than they'd started out with in the morning. Yeah, how would you like to be the guy running the gate and you're standing there with a yellow <laughs> slicker going, yeah, 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 when you got all these mossy horns coming after you? Yeah, we're looking at you. You. <laughs> yes. Well, after some brush cattle had been gathered, part of the decoy herd was left with them, and they were closely herded. Uh, when turned out to graze during the days, in the afternoon, the day's catch was brought up, and the herds were thrown together. Now, roping a mossy horn outlaw in the brush was the most dangerous part of brush pile. I wouldn't say dangerous. I'd say stupid. <laughs> the ropes had to be tied to the saddle horn. Yep, hard and fast. A roped bull or steer might dash around one side of a mesquite tree, while the cow pony went on the other side of the tree. This doesn't bode well. The bull and the pony would meet, <laughs> often with di- disastrous results, and a cornered longhorn zeb was as dangerous as a wounded bear. You got it. A powerful mossy horn might break rope or cinch from the saddle or turn and charge pony and rider. At such times, a rider saved himself by cutting his rope or shooting the longhorn, if you were quick enough. Yeah. Now, when a cowboy roped a steer in the brush, he tied his head up against a tree. Yep. Now, if the decoy herd was near, it was brought up and the steer released into it and usually went into the center of the herd and stayed there. Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, another method of catching outlaw steers was hunting and roping them on moonlight nights when they came out of the brush to graze. Now, at times, it was possible to get between the wild cattle and the brush before daybreak, but roping wild cattle was a painfully slow way to build up a herd. Often, however, it was the only way to catch the old mossy home. It's amazing. They didn't pay these guys hardly anything, <laughs> and they were risking their limbs and lives every night. Every night and every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after a small herd had been gathered, it was moved to ranch headquarters while the cowboys returned to the brush for more. And even when moving uh, sex herds, there was always the likelihood that one of the old outlaws would make a break for freedom. The nearest rider raced after it. And while now you're going to like this one, Zeb, and I don't know if you've heard of this one. You'll let me know. Uh, the, the old outlaw would make a break for freedom. The nearest rider would race after it, and while riding at full speed, tailed or busted. Oh, yeah. You've heard of this. Yeah. The steer, I'd never heard it's of it. It's a Mexican event. Yeah, Did you it know is. That? Yeah. It is. It's a yeah. Mexican sporting event. So let me explain this, folks. Tailing required a fast pony that knew its work and a skillful, skillful, daring rider. And one that doesn't have a lot of <laughs> IQ points. As the pony drew alongside this racing steer, the cowboy grabbed its tail yep. and wound it around his saddle horn. Yes. The pony put on a burst of speed and turned slightly away, sending the steer flying end over end. <laughs> one can only picture how that wreck would be on the 6 o'clock news. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they might break a horn off or whatever. <laughs> might even break its Oh, there's neck. a whole bunch of things that could break. Oh, yeah. Well... Dazed, the steer usually actually trotted back to the herd and gave no more trouble. Wouldn't you? For the rest of the day. (laughs) Now, you were right when you said the Mexican vaqueros, because this was a skill they learned, uh, the the Anglo boys, too, from the Mexican vaqueros. And it was a Sunday sport. Yep. Uh, A number of vaqueros would round up and pen a bunch of these wild bulls. Then one bull was let out through the gate to race across the prairie with the vaquero in pursuit. 
He tailed the bull and then rode back to the open pen while another took his turn. Injuries occurred for the swift bulls occasionally turned and charged pony and rider. Imagine that. Yeah. Now, another method of taking the fight out of an outlaw bull or steer was to shoot it through the thick part of its horn. Now, if the bullet struck dead center, the shock and pain usually made the animal a little more cooperative. Now, since such shots were usually made while the pony and the steer were running at full speed, it was not always possible to hit a horn dead center. If the shot went a bit low and killed the steer, no one complained. Cattle were cheap, and outlaws were more trouble than they were worth. Cowmen were determined to rid the range of these troublesome mossy horns, and no one cared if a few were killed in the process. I, I got a book over here on my shelf, and I wished I had found that if I'd have known you were going to talk about this. There was a story about a guy that lost his glasses, and he was chasing after a steer to do this, and he shot his horse instead. <laughs> well, that couldn't be good. <laughs> but you know, brush popping was a special type of cow work for both men and ponies. It was hard on the ponies. Three times as many were needed by brush poppers as were required for regular range work. Imagine that. After a day's run, the brush ponies were usually full of thorns. Many were stiff and lame. The work was equally hard on riders, but brush poppers boasted that they could go anywhere a cow could and stand anything a horse could. Now, at the end of a day's riding, the men pulled thorns from themselves and their ponies uh, for painful wounds. Have you seen some of the thorns they had to ride through? You know, I've never been down there. I've been down there, and I'm telling you, some of those thorns are like three inches long. You know, I've only We're talking hurt. Oh, that's got to be. How would you like to be sailing through there at 20 miles an hour? Yeah. You look like a human porcupine. (laughs) You would. But for painful wounds and bruises, the remedies were poultices of prickly pear leaves and applications of coal oil or kerosene for both men and horses. They used that a lot. And actually, I think today even sometimes they use kerosene uh, for some horse wounds, don't they, I believe? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's dangerous country down yeah. there. Well, cow hunts in the brisada or the brush were dangerous at all times, not only because of the wild cattle or occasional Comanche raiding parties. <laughs> oh, well, what's a yeah. Comanche or two? Yeah, compared to this. <laughs> the brush country was also the refuge of outlaws, and sheriffs rarely entered the area in search of wanted men. Ranchers found it wiser to help fugitives rather than to have them arrested. As a result of these perils, every brush rider was armed. In the early days, with cap and ball revolvers known as outlaws, that's what they called them, because when a man pulled the trigger, he never knew how many chambers would fire. Now, less spectacular was was the lice that swarmed over the men and their clothing. Oh, boy. The vaqueros learned from the Plains Indians to place their clothes on ant hills until the ants had carried off all the lice. Then they washed themselves in their clothes with suds made from yucca roots, allowing the suds to dry in order to kill the nits. Okay, now hold on a second. I did not know that. They did. They laid their clothes on oh, the oh. anthills? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And actually, uh, I, I did a story about a cattle drive, uh, uh, a regular cattle drive, and they did that as well. 
they would some of the cowboys would uh, when they come to a river they would uh, put their clothes over an anthill and clue their You're going to have one kind of guy that's not real bright. He probably forgot to take his clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> or or didn't didn't brush out the the ants before he got on. He put them back on. So anyway, uh, brush poppers lived in isolation. Uh, Can you imagine that? <laughs> from the rest of the world for months at a time. Oh, my. Gathering wild cattle uh, for others to drive to the main ranch and put in trail herd. I need you to speak right oh, in. Right. So there we go. There you go. There was no mail, no regular payday when a man needed clothing or gear or tobacco. That it, was every day. Yeah. It was brought from the main ranch with provisions and charged against his pay. Oh, my. Some vaqueros worked for years without settling their wages, but no wise rancher tried to cheat them. For one thing, it was customary to take a man at his word. For another, cheating a vaquero was a risky risky way to save a few dollars. Vaqueros were artists with rawhide riatas the ropes, and on one occasion, two mounted men dueled with their riatas until one was caught and dragged to his death. Hmm. Now, brush poppers occasionally got well acquainted with outlaw steers that would not stay captured. In the spring of 1872, for example, a herd of 1,200 mossy horns was gathered and delivered to a buyer who had come from Kansas with a crew of shorthorns. Now, that's a term for men from farming country. Yeah. Okay. Unaccustomed to handling wild cattle, they this re- was a wreck. <laughs> they reached Kansas with only their saddle horses <laughs> and their work oxen. Some of the wild steers were back in the brush before the next year's cow. Oh, my they did 1,200 cows. They never made them. Oh, my now, goodness. Now, uh, here's something I ran into, too, Zeb. Uh, some of these men had a little extra money, more than they had common sense. Uh-huh. They would come down and find these cowboys in Texas and hire them to get them a herd of mossy horns. All right. Knowing the mossy horns were wild, these cowboys would rope and tie the horse, get it on the side. They would sew the... Rope the cow, you mean. Yeah, the the steer, the mossy horn. They would uh, sew the eyelids shut on the mossy horn. And they would do this to 20 or 30 of these mossy horns. And then they were pretty easy to handle. Yeah. At least for about four or five days until the stitches came loose. Then you had a problem. And so these men that had bought the cows, after about five or six days, they no longer had cows as those mossy horns were back in the brush. But the payment was still in the pocket of the <laughs> of jeans. The, yeah. Of the cowboys. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yep. <laughs> so that's kind of the story, uh, you know... Uh, uh, they, there was uh, well, there was one Texan. Uh, uh, Texans they were accustomed to working in the brush, uh, but they were often as, as reluctant uh, to leave the brush country. They they kind of got to where they liked doing that. Oh my God! Uh, one little Texas brush popper tried year after year a year to accompany a herd up the trail. He wanted you know to get on a regular cattle drive, but each time when they left the wooded regions, he would head back to the brush. Because the open prairie made him nervous. Oh, my goodness. He, he liked being in... And, anyway. you know, I read a book where they had another fear when they were in the brush like that, and that was all the snakes. Oh. Lots oh. of snakes. Zeb, me and snakes. Oh. I'll scream like a little girl. I'll tell you what. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories about their horses getting bit and, and them also. Yeah. 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 A lot of rattlesnakes in there. 
Yeah, this anyway, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, Can you story. imagine if you were the insurance company covering that ranch, if they would have had insurance back then? <laughs> <laughs> They'd write them off. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, these poor cowboys, I mean, you talk about tough, tough oh, yeah. cowboys. And the Mexican vaqueros were some of the absolute best uh, in fact, uh, the King Ranch. You, you, you. We, we. I know people that lived on the King Ranch. The King Ranch. He was so good to those people. He hired a lot of Mexican vaqueros and their families to work on their on his yeah. ranch. He provided schools. He provided housing. Um, he treated those people very well. Paid them very well. And uh, yeah, so the King Ranch was uh, outstanding in, in their treatment of, of. Oh, to go back into those times again. Wouldn't you yeah. love that to see you all know, that? That King Ranch was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I'll bet. You know, just to ride a horse through that country oh, yeah. 150 years ago, yeah. just to see the... But not in the brush. I would I would keep my horse away and just watch. Yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. about a half a mile away. Yeah. So You're like I am. I mean, uh, in many respects, I wish I could go back into a time machine and see and understand and comprehend how they lived back in those days. Yeah, yeah. Really. Well, you know, you, you've done, uh, you've herded cows, Zeb, and yeah. when one of those steers wants to get out, you know, unless your horse is right in front God of God forgives cowboys the curse of cattle that leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've been around cattle... It there, slips out. There could be an occasional curse word. Yes. Unlike our stories here on the show. No, I, I really enjoy Now, next week you're not going to be here. I am not, but... Uh, I, I always record another story for my listeners on the podcast. Yeah. So I will find a story that I will record uh, that will be on the... We've got time for a quick call. Caller, make it real fast. I've got 30 seconds. Go. Yeah, if you still want to chase some of these wild cows, there's still some down there up on the bench at the 50 mile on the Escalante. I've heard and, that. Uh, huh? I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. And uh, I'm not as young as I used to be, but uh, there's still a bunch of them there, and you can still go chase them if you want. Can, can I do it on a four-wheeler? <laughs> That's doctor history. Uh, we, uh, we lost a lot of horses, and a lot of guys went over the edge. Absolutely. It's a dangerous, dangerous deal, I'll tell you that. Thank you very much, and I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, the there still are shades of the Old West left. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you.